Well, as you guys come in, um, I think you should be getting a uh, handout. And so Vanna White is over there. <laughs> I called you Vanna White, but she's passing out. And then um, over here is free coffee for anyone who would like. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Now there is some, I think there is some coffee back there, isn't there? And so if you want to get some coffee, you can do that too. Um, hopefully you had a good afternoon. I kind of always tell people, um, like, do you, do you, any of you take afternoon like power naps or oh, relaxing yes. Sunday? Yeah. I don't know what it is for Sunday, but if I get like a 20 minute power nap of some sort, it is like revival. I mean, you do feel totally different. So, yeah. An hour. <laughs> some people are still sleeping right now. We need to wake, call them up. Um, Anyway, we're going we're gonna to start here. Take this piece of paper here, and we're going to begin tonight. And just so thankful that you're here. I realize that, that there's a crew missing um, doing, the, doing the music. I know he was trying to recruit him for, for singing, and I was trying to recruit him for here. And, uh, and we were battling against that. Um, and so I know he didn't, but I really didn't either. <laughs> so, I'm like, you know what? People need to, people need to learn how to share the gospel, you know, but it's true. And it's, and this is going on too. They're recording this anyway. So it wasn't my fault. So yeah, rebels. Yes. Rebels. Oh, great. That's what he did. He's getting me back for all that. He's like, ah, that's funny. Now, sometimes within the music realm, too, it's kind of funny because we've had um, been places and they, you know, music people love music. Like, and I, I don't mind music and I'm part of the music, but I'm actually, a pre- I'm a preacher and preachers love preaching. You know, if you're a preacher, you should love preaching. So anyway, it's always kind of funny. So we were in a church in South Carolina once and, and sure enough, the music section is going and going and going. And we're kind of adding, you know, our little bit. Um, of music as well, and by the time it's all said and done, I think it was almost 45 minutes to an hour's worth of stuff before I even get up to speak, and I'm like, oh, you know, so do you, like, I'm not going to speak for just 15 minutes, I mean, because I want to give them a, something that's worth it, so anyway, <sighs> so, I'm glad that we get to do this, okay, this is a great blessing, and I know we'll get people to join us tomorrow night as well, all right, so witnessing like Jesus, take this piece of paper. And take it out and then grab your Bible and go to John chapter 4. John 4. We'll turn there. We're going to be focusing on Christ, the greatest example. Um, As we look at that, I know there will be probably people coming in and out. um, But we'll do what we can tonight. Tomorrow night, the plan will be is we'll be in the auditorium uh, for that pre-service. So tomorrow night at 630, I'll keep going on this. I'll probably have to catch some people up tomorrow night, but you guys are going to get the best, I think, of it, hopefully, uh, with it. So looking forward to that. I think so, except for, can we shut that door, you think? Okay. So go ahead and shut that door. I know as people come in, we want to give them room. People keep shut up, probably for the next 15 minutes, I'm guessing. And I will say this, tomorrow night, as we would start it in there, feel free, I know it starts at 6.30, uh, which we're only going to run it tomorrow night about 20 minutes. Um, and then we go right into the service soon after because um, at 7 o'clock we start the service. So knowing that, even if you come in a little late, let's say you're coming in and you're just trying to get here, traffic, 
I don't know what traffic's like, but the traffic gets bad, let's say, and you're just making it here. Um, if you come and you're, only, you're like, ah, oh, I'm already 15 minutes late, just come on in. It's okay. Just come on in and you'll catch whatever you catch could be a benefit to you. So I think that'll be a blessing. All right. John chapter four tonight. We're talking about witnessing like Jesus. We have a piece of paper. We got that. Thank you so much for passing those out for us. Let me pray and we'll get going tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for just the blessing it is to study your word. Um, The blessing it is to, to learn from your example and I pray tonight as we begin this series of, of teaching and equipping, Lord, would you use me now to help equip my friends here to, to better share the gospel? Uh, thank you, God, that we can always learn, that we can always grow in this. And I do thank you. I thank you for the, for the choir group using their gifts even right now, too, and, and seeking to, to be a blessing in ministering the word and song. And so I pray tomorrow night as we're all together gathered again, I just ask that you would continue to bless this as we move forward with this study. Uh, And God, use this in a practical way in our hearts and our lives, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In John chapter 4, notice verse 3. This is Jesus and his disciples, but it says this. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Well, not actually. And I say that, obviously, Scripture is telling us that he had to. But I'm saying that in a general way, in traveling, the Jewish people would often avoid Samaria like the plague. And so they would take a much longer route, crossing the Jordan River twice, or either go on the coastal route. But they would avoid Samaria. But here, Scripture does tell us that he needed to go through Samaria. So that was the very plan of God. So he's... Making his way. It's God's plan. It's God's way. Here's Christ journeying with his disciples. And they're journeying a long way. Go further. Verse 5. So came to a town. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, what time would that be? Okay. Noon. If we're talking about Jewish time, it's noon. Okay. It would be the sixth hour. That would be noon. If we're talking about Greek time, what would that be? It would actually be six. You know, six in the evening. And can I just tell you, too, there, as you study this out, it's real interesting because I, I tend to say noon. But if I st- when I study a person who's a very good, gifted um, expositor, sometimes I come across it and they're saying it's six. And I look at their re- reasons why and I go, oh, maybe, I'm, maybe they're right. You know, and then I go, oh, maybe they're right. <laughs> and let me tell you this little secret. It doesn't really matter. Okay, in this sense. Okay. If, if it was new, the truth is to go 15 to 20 miles, that's what they went, on foot – that means, man, they had to get up pretty early and they're making their way, three-hour trip probably, something like this. I mean, it's a long journey to go that far on foot. Um, that's pretty significant, okay? Um, again, praise the Lord for vehicles, you know what I mean? To go 15 miles. Could you imagine making your way like that? So that's them. If it's not then, then that means it's 6 in the evening. That still means a super long journey. He's wearied. It seems like it's right at noon, though, heat of the day. And here's this woman that we are kind of introduced to in verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
And you'll kind of see that later on in the story, but it's interesting that she's, he's asking her for a drink of water. Now I'm going to begin making it very, very easy as we kind of study this out. All right. So here we, here we go on this one. I'll make sure if I'm turned on. Okay, here we go. Ready? Um, the first thing, number one, is Jesus begins in the natural realm. That's pretty normal. He's talking about normal things. And I say that because I think of natural conversations versus going right into spiritual. Um, I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, met people and they kind of deliver gospel bombs, you know, to people sometimes. It's like they just go right into it. You don't even know the person. It's, you know, it almost be like knocking on the door you know, and they answer the door and you say, do you realize if you died right now, you'd go to hell? Yeah. And I say, that's like a gospel bomb. But now that could be true, but that's a pretty abrupt kind of like, you know, without any form of normal conversation, you know. And I will say this, that God can use all things. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, people, if a guy's on a street corner wearing a sign, it's like repent. And he has a bullhorn and he's yelling that. Uh, I would say for most people, um, it's, it's, probably, it's probably not well received. But there could be some who it is well received. And so you never know. I'm just saying that because it's interesting how God uses all people. Just like preaching some of you want someone to come alongside you and put their arm around you as they preach to you in a sense and say, hey, this is what the scripture teaches and come on, we need to follow Christ. And, you know, and others of you, maybe you, you grew up in the military or something too and you want the person going, hey, I'm talking to you. You know, you're like, whoa, you know, wow, what a preacher, you know. So the reality is, is God can use all circumstances and people. But in one sense, he begins with this natural realm. Do you see Jesus? And he's going to utilize this idea of a drink of water. Here's a, he's at a well. He's observant. And I would encourage you in the same way to be observant with people and begin in a natural realm. Now, when I think about this, you could say this. He spoke of something that she could relate to, and that's simply water. It's right there in front of her. In the same way, um, you could say, well, you know, what are normal conversations? I would ask this question to you. In your world where you live, what do people talk about? Okay. All right, hold on a second. Yeah, this is a good this is a good thing. It's a good problem to have. I say that because now we got like free reign right to the coffee and that. No, no struggles at all. (laughs) He's back there stuffing his face with pizza. Now we all know. Now we can watch you. All right. So I think about this. So I said, what do people talk about in your world? And right away, weather. And I would say, that's normal, isn't it? I mean, so if you had already had conversations about the weather, like, whoa, this is like, you know, what is this, a flood again? Or something, you know, you know, we having a hurricane or something like that too. I don't know. The sunshine, yeah. Oh, liquid sunshine. Oh, that's a good way, that's a good way to put it. Um, but people do talk about the weather, don't they? Um... I mean, how hot it is, how cold it is. It's like, I mean, that's, that's pretty normal. Have any of you had any conversations about the weather today already? Anyone ever have that already? Okay. Okay. So weather. What else is another conversation that people would have in your culture where you guys live? Okay, want to say what again? Sports. Sports. Okay. We're coming up on something really big. I mean, it depends on if your team's in it or not, but... The Super Bowl's coming up, and so that's kind of a big deal. Sports, uh, most people, you know, it's good to be able to understand a little bit of sports lingo, maybe. Okay, we're getting low. Okay, <laughs> well, do our best. Oh, we got a huge stack here, right here on the table. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Um, so we've got sports. We've got weather. What else do people talk about? Yes, ma'am? Family. Family. Mm-hmm. Especially grandparents or grandkids, great-grandkids, you know? The Frazier's coming. The, oh, there you go. Thank you. Talk about <laughs> Who are these circus workers? You know, the Frazier team. They're coming. Politics. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> scary one. Uh, what were you going to say? Careers. And I say that because there's so many things. And if you, we are observant, we look around. So, so for me, let's say, let's say a teenager's walking around and he's got this basketball in his hand. I might even say, hey, man, you, you know, you play basketball? Um, you know, he might be saying, no, I'm delivering it to this friend. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he says, yeah, you know, I said, you play for your high school? Uh, and no, actually a bunch of friends and I, we just get together, you know, hang out at the park and play. And so too, oh, really? How, many, how long have you been playing? And uh, hey, who's your favorite team? I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not going to ask questions. And I'm going to begin a conversation. It's like a conversation starter. And I will say this, is that when we think about even conversation starters, there, there's an element of, um, of personality involved here, a little bit, too. Some of you, well, and even that, maybe you could say, but I was going to say, some of you, personality, you are an extrovert. You don't know a stranger. For you, everyone's family, in a sense, because you can talk to anybody at any time, and you have no struggles. Now, I'm curious, in this room, who are, are extroverts? In other words, you... Don't have a problem talking with people. You can have conversations with people pretty easy. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, so we have a number of people are extroverts, okay? You better put your hand up. Um, and then we have, we have the other side, which we would call introverts. And introverts, it's going to be harder because you're not used to, you know, always wanting to talk to people and you're just more naturally introverted. Now, who are you? If that's you, would you raise your hand if you're an introvert? Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, Liar. <laughs> the reason I say that is because usually introverts take their time to be like, oh. <laughs> and he was like, yes, that's me. Uh, so he was extroverted in his introverting way, whatever. So I say, so there is an element of personality that does come into play in evangelism. I mean, there's part of that. But God uses all people, and I don't want to blame shift it on personality, because in one sense, I would still say this. Aren't you supposed to be like Jesus? So I've met people, too, that say, well, you know, Jeremy, I don't, you know, I don't ever have any emotion towards people. You know, it's just, I just, wait a second, is that a problem? Because I think Jesus did. And aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? So there's an element where I get it, there's a personality, but we don't want to blame shift on the personality and say, well, they're extroverted, so they can witness. I'm not extroverted, so I don't need to witness. You see, you see what I'm saying? I'll yeah. start to kind of make an excuse for that. So we have the, that idea. Now, I will also say this. I don't know about you, as we think about this, I mean, there's also goes beyond the whole just talking to people. Because you start, again, I might have that conversation. So are you from around here? I love to ask that question to people because I love to find out where people are from. And I say that because of the nature of us traveling across the United States and around the world, you know, even today, you know, from Haiti, and like, oh, we've been to Haiti and been to Capetia and, you know, stuff too. So we had a kind of conversation about that. And so it's interesting where people are from. How many of you are originally from Palm Bay? You're really originally from here. Would you raise your hand originally? Oh, wow. Like, sort of two people, kind of. What about three? Technically, Malibu. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So this area. Man, where are you guys from? 
How many of you are from Florida? You are from Florida. Okay, so at least we got some of that. Okay, all right. Um, that's, you know, and then I think of, so, so I have conversations with people. That always is a good conversation starter because I'm not from here. So I say, are you originally from here? I just love to find out. And people will tell me, no. And one guy at Lent Church, he was like, well, no, I'm actually from, he said, I'm actually from Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> and I smile. And I say, yeah, the UFO capital of the world. And uh, he's like, yeah. And I said, yeah, my dad actually is from Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> what? Yeah, we were. So all of a sudden, we're having these conversations because of that. And now it was a, a natural connection. So I've just started off in a natural realm. And you can do that pretty easy just by being observant and maybe ask them a couple questions. Look at the T-shirt they're wearing, you know. I'll do that with people sometimes. And, you know, one lady today, she was, she was carrying her Ohio State cup and... I'm not really an Ohio State fan, and so my first thought to her, my character, I said, I said, hey, how come you're not holding a Clemson cup, you know, or something like that? And she's like, what? You know? And then we started having a having a kind of kind of conversation. We didn't get in a fight or anything, I don't think, but it was good, you know. So I just kind of say that in a normal way, and witnessing the people start in the natural realm, but don't leave it there. And this is where number two comes in, where you swing the conversation to the spiritual realm. Now watch. Jesus doing this. Look at verse 9. The Samaritan woman, she's shocked that he's speaking to her. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but notice this. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Why not? What was the problem there? Okay. Say that louder. Half breeds. So the Jewish people were supposed to come in and in one sense conquer um, because you had all these pagans that God's judgment was upon. And they weren't supposed to intermarry with the pagans. But then some did. And so in the reality, you end up having another race called the Samaritan race. They weren't full-blooded Jews. And so now they would consider like half-breeds. And then if you think about the strict Jewish, Jewish people, look at them literally like, how could you ever be blessed of God? And, and, and treating them in a very despicable way, you could say too. And, and, and yet, if people treat you that way, what's your reaction? You treat them bad back. And so there's a, there's a rift big time right there. And she's shocked by this. He's talking to her. Actually, if you know anything culturally at the time, too, it's not just that he's talking to her. A man speaking to a woman in public at that time in this culture was taboo. You didn't do it. That could look like some form of prostitution or something. I mean, this, is, this is really a bad thing. And this isn't just anything. Jesus is a rabbi. So, again, this is a spiritual leader, in a sense, now talking to this woman in public. And she's... She, how is it you, a Jew, ask drinks for me, a woman of Samaria? The Jews don't have any deals with the Samaritans. Now, here's my next question. How would she know he's a Jew? Yeah. He said by his attire. Jesus would have had tassels. I mean, he would, everything about it would have shown him as a Jewish person. So, sure, she sees this right away. And she, again, is shocked by this. Watch Jesus, though. Jesus, in verse 10, answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says, saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Are you watching that? He just went from the natural to a spiritual realm. If you knew the gift of God 
If you only knew that, and if you knew who you were really talking to, actually you would be the one asking me for living water. Now she doesn't understand at this point still. Watch the next verse, verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You know? And then she even says this, are you greater than our father Jacob? I mean, he gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. In one sense, this is kind of comical in this sense. She's talking to Messiah. This is creator God in human flesh. And she's being sarcastic with Jesus. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, where's your bucket? Where's your jar? How are you going to draw any water? I mean, what are you going to, are you greater than our father Jacob? I mean, who in the past came and dug wells? You're going to dig us a new well? You're like, like, oh no. (laughs) But she, she doesn't know. And Jesus is not offended by her. And, um, but you watch this and you can see Jesus even go further um, because then he says um, in verse 12, she says, she's asked that verse 13, Jesus responds to her. He said, everyone who drinks fr- of this water will be thirsty again. And he's speaking of the well. But then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. And then he says, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she's grasping what he's saying and can't believe what he's saying. She's taken back by this. And the woman responds to him and says, Sir, well then give me this water that I, that I, that, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I mean, sure. And actually where they were um, from town was about a mile to two miles round trip. Now this tells us a couple other things too. Why isn't she at a closer one? I mean, there were closer wells. And why isn't she with all the other women? That would be normal because the women would do this together as a way of fellowship in a sense. But she seems to be alone. And in the heat of the day, it's like, so, so it kind of is already telling you about her, who, what she's like in her society. And so we kind of see that. But I want to kind of bring us to this idea too, the, the conversation of spiritual realm. Here we go, ready? Here he is simply mentioning the things of God. He speaks of this when he talks about gift of God and living water. And then he he talks about you'll never be thirsty again. Again, he's bringing up this idea of living water. So he's going to use this as an illustration as he goes into the gospel. Um, When I say this, though, I I will say in a practical way, this will take courage. It takes a lot of courage. Um, Why? Why? now, maybe for some of you, when it comes to spiritual conversations with people, you don't have any problem at all. That's easy. But I'm an, I'm an evangelist, and I would say in many ways can be extroverted. Um, but it can be pretty scary all of a sudden you go into the spiritual realm. Am I the only one? Do any of you else kind of struggle with that too? Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. If you think about this in a real, in a, just in a, in a practical way and even a spiritual way, the moment you move into a spiritual realm, let me ask you, do you think the devil wants you to have a gospel conversation with your lost neighbor? Yes or no? No. no. So at that point, or even as minions, the idea is the moment you enter into a gospel conversation or you go that route, the spiritual route, you do enter a spiritual battle. So there is, there's that battle there. 
But not just that. I mean, the other side of it is, is what does the world naturally want to hear or not want to hear? Because there are two things that you're not supposed to really talk about in public. And what are they? Politics and religion. So I was looking at him like, eh. <laughs> not really. But, but um, so politics and religion. And again, so what do they say? They're, they're basically saying this. We don't want to hear about it. That's great for you, but keep it to yourself. It's really interesting. You can talk about almost anything. I mean, even think about the public school. It's like any religion goes except for biblical Christianity. Why is that? Because you move into a world that doesn't naturally want the gospel, that doesn't naturally want Christ, who naturally pushes him away. And so there's a spiritual battle. So we've got the battle of the devil, you could say, and his minions, a spiritual battle there. We've got the battle of the world. And then there's another battle that we face. You remember what that battle is? It's called our flesh. And our flesh is, is pretty, I mean, even when you get saved, there's still the battle with the flesh, remember? I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans, this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And if you don't understand that, you might really think you're bipolar all the time. You know what I mean? I'm, hey, what's my problem? You know, because the things I want to do, I don't seem to do. And, you know, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, you know, and you're like, uh, oh, it's just, I see what's going on here. So when you have this flesh that we battle with, the flesh lies to us. The flesh will say things like, you know, you don't need to witness to them. I'm sure they're already saved. Um, you know, pastor's probably going to talk to them, you know, tomorrow, maybe. Maybe, you know, yeah, that's probably the case. Um, you know, you're really not prepared. What if they ask you a question that you can't answer? What if they get mad? What if they punch you in the face? What if they shoot you right there? Because you know how that happens all the time in America. <laughs> Witnesses somebody get shot and killed right away. Uh, it's interesting, the flesh. Or maybe again, why don't you just let them talk? I mean, if they're really interested, they'll ask you about it. Um, there's a lot of fleshly excuses that we can make that, that really are the flesh. I actually, it's an interesting thing because within that survey of the church, like your size, as I did this um, study, um, so probably about 300 people in church. I think about 100 people did the study initially. And so to kind of find out the reasons why, why we don't witness, like, like what would be your greatest hindrance? And I was asking people. And uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but... If I were to ask you that as a group, would any of you be willing to, to like, what, what would be a great hindrance to you in sharing the gospel, would you say? Uh, Lack of people. Do what? Lack of people. Lack of people? Yes, because I'll spread the gospel anywhere I go. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, so yeah, okay. So, so sure. Um, what, uh, what's, a, what's a hindrance to you, though? Like, it could be a lack of people. And I say that because I met another guy who's introverted and actually his, or he's, he can speak to people, but his job is literally, he works from home on a computer. And so there's an element and then he's got a wife and his kids. And there's, there's a point where he just, he's like, Jeremy, I'll be real honest. I don't, I don't run into people unless I have to very specifically go after people, you know? So that could be that. What's a hindrance, yes, ma'am? Hindrance to me a lot is um, just being afraid that They'll be angry with me, or they'll, they'll get mad or something, you know. 
But no one gets mad at old ladies. She's not an old lady. I know, I'm not saying that she was. I but, oh! oh that's <laughs> She's older than I am. I do. Yeah, I, I just thought it was something to make trouble. Yeah, I'm trying to keep myself out of it. Politics. Politics. So you feel like that's your hindrance? I feel like we should be able to discuss politics a little bit with religion. Okay, okay. That's what you're and, and because of the way things are right now, what the things that are going on, and it's just really hard sometimes whenever they say, I don't want to go to your church because your church believes in this or that. Yeah, it could be that, where there's a, where that, I mean, that's, I was talking to my uncle, and he's, uh, he's actually lives in Florida, Gainesville area, and uh, grew up actually studying ministry and stuff too, but he is, he is not a believer, and he is clearly not a believer, he says that now, basically he's kind of like an atheist, agnostic kind of person. But he would always want to bring that up or bring whatever. And I remember even too, he was like, you know, and I know he's trying to bait me, and always he always tries to bait me to, to try to debate him or something like that too. And I'm always just going, you know, I, I don't even go down that route. But again, he was like, he talked about, you know, when Trump initially got elected, you know, he's, he was dealing with just the vileness of, of Trump and so too as a person. I said, well, you know, in the end, I said, this is why, this is why no. No normal political leader can rescue us. This is why we need Messiah. So it's kind of like taking it and trying to draw it into a whole other realm. Because really, in the end, you get the perfect sort of leader within America, and then everyone dies and goes to hell. You know what I'm saying? So there's, a, there's something that's great that we need far more than you know the politics all in a perfect order. So, but yeah, that's a good one. And I would say when you said the idea of fear. That was the number one answer in many ways, whatever comes to fear. Because it could be fear of man, what they'll say toward me, or what they'll do towards me. And I'm not prepared in a sense, maybe even feeling that way, but there's an element of fear of man, which is the number one probably answer. I would say probably even rejection, especially yeah, friendship. You know, they, the word says, Marvel not if the world hate you. Mm -hmm. So we're expected to kind of expect that we're going to come across as you know, not accepted. Um, yeah. But that's a hard one. Probably. And then you think of, like, family. Mm -hmm. you know, in one sense, isn't it a lot easier to witness maybe to someone who's, who you don't know? Uh, you go on a mission trip, and you're, like, passing out tracks. Like, great, this is great. You know, and you're talking to people. And then you come back here, and you're like, uh, no. You know, and you kind of, this is my community. And so there's an element of that. Yes, sir, what are you going to say back there? I would say for myself, it would be, um, like, have that fear of like having a conversation to go to places that where you can't defend it, you know, like not really knowing much about history and, and different things, and I just always feel like I have that battle within myself. What if the conversation goes here then it's gonna end up in an argument and then I'm not gonna work for the person well? So. And in the end we're kind of almost we're banking on something we we don't even know if it's gonna be true or not. Exactly. Isn't it weird? So so that's the, where the flesh just says, nah, don't go that route and uh, pull back, you know. And in one sense, you know how you get good at witnessing? By witnessing? I mean, you can take a class, and, and, you can, and it can be very helpful. But in the end, what, you get better at it by actually doing it. You, you learn by going, oops, don't say that, you know? You know, or that was our own route. Or, so I would go I would downtown. We would kind of, as, as, as high schoolers, it was like a, my senior year, God got a hold of my life. 
So a friend of mine and I just decided, hey, let's go downtown Greenville, South Carolina, where we're from, and let's just talk to people about Jesus. And we had no clue what we were doing, honestly. But we just felt as though, I mean, God was convicting him about this, convicting me about the same thing. Like, we need to talk to people about Jesus. We're in this bubble, we feel like, that we're, we're not getting out and about. And so he and I just decided to go down. And we were talking to people. We, I, we had no clue what we were doing. We're passing out tracks. And, you know, and I got funny stories, you know, stuff like that. But I will say it's almost every week someone would ask me a question where I couldn't answer it. And I'd say, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't know if I know that answer. I said, but you know what? I will come back down here next week around the same time. And if you see me next week, I'll have an answer for you. <laughs> I know there's an answer. I just don't know what it is. And that was a good question, you know, they maybe asked me. And so to not be intimidated and not to, not to fake it. I mean, if you don't know the answer, don't be like, well, cuz. <laughs> So there, <laughs> that's, that's probably not helpful either. And, and, if you're in, and if you're in a realm where it's like a gotcha mode anyway, where people are, you know, then you're, that's probably not a good realm to be in in witnessing. And I'm going to teach you in a little bit how to avoid some of that to go right into what really needs to happen within that. But I say that to say just you guys sharing some of these with me are, are showing that there is a battle, isn't there? And so it takes a great courage. And so you're, and now here's an easy question then to kind of do it. Yes, sir. But what they're seeing is someone who's being real and um, clearly not perfect. None of us would be perfect, but God is changing us. And that's not right. I actually want to be a better example. So if you catch me talking like that again or something like that, please say something to me. You know, and, oof. you know, you do that a handful of times and it's going to really remind you before you ever speak up or say things. You know? so, but that's tough. Your life backing up that message in a re, re, and I will say this is when our lives don't back up the message, that that is a great excuse for us. You know, well, I mean, who am I to say anything because they're just, I mean, I'm a hypocrite. And that, that's the problem with the hypocritical lifestyle. We're trying to go, dear Lord, don't, make, don't let me be a hypocrite. Let me be real and honest and humble and, oh, help me, God. I can't do this in my own strength. So appreciate you telling me that. You know, when you think about this, here's an easy question that deals with church. Uh, I like to do this. So I'm having a normal conversation with someone. And I say, hey, listen, I'm not from around here. Um, so, so is this where you're from? And they say, yeah, I'm from here right now. Like, okay, great. Where do you go to church? Do you go to church around here? Now, that's a, that's a great question because in one sense, it's kind of like a diagnostic question, okay? I'm going to find a lot about people when I ask this question because they might look at me and say, church, I wouldn't darken the door of a church. And I say, wow, it sounds like you've had a bad experience. Oh, yeah, you know, we were in this one church and they were going to change the carpet. You know, we wanted blue, no, we wanted red. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys just change the carpet? <laughs> no, okay. uh, 
and then it's like, uh, or I think of, you know, the, you know, the church ran off, you know, the pastor ran off with the secretary. You know, they have something, or filled hypocrites. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite in church. Um, so I might even say, you just only give it a bad experience, or, or maybe even let them tell me about it. And I go, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I mean, the church is filled with sinful people. It's more like a hospital than a country club, you know, and trying to help them understand a little bit maybe more. But I, I, don't, I, might, I don't mind listening uh, with that to kind of hear that. But they might say, yeah, I go to church. I go to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> if they go to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then what are they? Mormons. Mormons. Okay. And um, so hopefully you know enough to not say, oh, Latter-day Saints, we do live in the latter days, and we are the same as Jesus Christ. Come on in, brother. <laughs> we're, we're the same. <laughs> okay. um, but for them telling me that, if you understand it right away, you're going, oh, okay. And um, so they tell me that. They might say, I go to, you know, I go to the Kingdom Hall. Or Jehovah's Witness. They may go to like Our Lady of the Lake or something like that, which is probably some kind of a Catholic church or something like that. I don't know. Um, they might even say to me, I go to the Church of Satan or something like that. And I'd be like, oh, really? I'd just say this. Whatever they tell you, don't freak out, no matter what it is, you know? <laughs> like if they're telling you they're Mormon, be like, oh, Mormon, you know, cult. You know what I mean? Like, that, don't freak out. And the same way when it comes to, you know, that, if they, I go, oh, really? You know, so what do they, what do they, what do they teach you there? I'm always kind of curious. Um, you know, you, you come across a Muslim and you start asking them questions. Uh, it's interesting to find out more about, in a sense, their religion. And I will tell you this, as you let people talk, they'll give you opportunities to talk. So there is an element where a number of years ago I came across a program that was really helpful. It's called Share Jesus Without Fear. And it was just a simple thing that would kind of give you like five questions that you would ask. And the last question you would ask would be to a person, and you just let them talk. You ask these questions, but you're just letting them talk. And then the last question basically was like, if you were wrong with any of the, one of these questions, would, would you want someone to tell you uh, the answer or tell you the truth? And if they say no, well, then that just means that then, then obviously they, there's, no, there's no more conversation in a sense, you know? But like 99% of the people would say, after you let them talk that long and, and ask and their questions, you, they'll say, well... Yeah, I want someone to tell me. So now it gives you like an open door just to get into the gospel with someone. And so it's kind of a neat situation. So I just say this to say the church thing is a good question. Now they might say, I go to First Baptist Church, you know. Oh, well then you must be a... Well, don't assume... I mean, not everyone who comes here is a Christian. You understand that? Um, And so there's a reality, but it helps you understand their background. One lady I was talking to, she was, uh, was on a plane flight. I think I was flying from like Detroit to South Carolina. And um, as I'm talking to a lady, she was from Boston. I said, where are you from? And she says, from Boston. I'm like, oh, I said, I love Boston, you know, and what a cool city, the Freedom Trail. I'm just kind of talking about different stuff about Boston. And I said, did you grow up in Boston? She says, oh, yeah. And, and um, I said, do you go to church anywhere in Boston? And she said, something, 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 Catholic church or whatever, too. And I said, oh, here's another good question. I said, oh, who's, who's your minister there? Who's your priest? I mean, like, I would know. I wouldn't know, you know. But in doing that, she goes, um, uh, oh. And I said, 
Let me guess. I bet you go on Christmas and Easter. And she goes, oh, how did you know? <laughs> I think because I'm really smart. And I said, no, I'm kidding. So I started this conversation with her, which tells me one thing. And then I asked her more, and she told me she grew up in a Catholic school. Well, what's interesting, if that's the case, she actually does have, a, have some form of a biblical foundation. There is, a, there is something that's there that I can go far deeper, whatever, with a, someone who's never been to church ever in their life. And now all of a sudden I'm talking about the, I can talk about the Bible. And I'm talking about she would believe, if she's a Catholic, even practically she would believe Jesus is Messiah. I mean, you know, it's like you would believe in a sense the scriptures. There's an element of that. There's an element of the Trinity. There's, there's a lot of things that would be a common connection. But if she's really following the Catholic doctrines when it comes to salvation, she's going to say, yes, you need Jesus. But you also need, and they're going to add to it. And so I know that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go down a different route in talking to people that way. Okay. So that's kind of helpful to know. But I, I love that question. You know, do you go to church around here um, and find out a little bit about them? And then again, ask, who's your pastor? And because um, I love that, because sometimes even the people are like, well, you know, we change them out every so often. And, you know, and um, but if they can't tell me their pastor's name, they're, they're probably not, you know, unless they got dementia, you know, what I mean, or whatever, there could be some other issues. But the reality is they don't that, they don't really go, you know, and that's good to kind of be able to have that understanding. So so even in just in doing that, I would say, you know, maybe even in sharing the gospel, I don't know if you ever use gospel tracks, if you ever keep them on you. Can I encourage you? That would be something good to have readily available. You'd be surprised because what will happen is you may tomorrow at work or something else happens and someone talks to you or whatever and you go, oh, hold on a second, you know, or maybe you're, you're pumping gas or something and somebody just says, hey, da, 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 you know, you have to have this little conversation with them and, they, and you tell them, hey, where are you going to church? Hey, we got these people, these, you know, this, this group called the Fraser team, you know, we'd love, hey, you should come out and stuff too. On Wednesday night, there's this concert or something too. Oh yeah, it's totally free. And so you're, you know, hold on a second. I got, huh? And then all of a sudden you pull out like a gospel track or something that has a church information on it and say, hey, this is the church I go to. If you ever get a chance to come visit, we'd love for you to come visit. And it might be something that's that quick and short, but actually you've got the gospel entailed right there. I have met many people through the years who have gotten saved by getting a gospel track. I mean, even, even some people who literally crumpled paper, they pick it up, take it home in a sense, they open it up and they read the gospel and they get saved through this. So you just, I, the power of the word of God is, is there and, I, and then you go to other countries and it's like, it's like passing out candy, you know, by passing out gospel tracts. So I go to South America, I'm in Peru. And it's like, man, everyone take. And then you come to America, you know, and it's like, eh, you know, no, no, you know, whatever. Uh, but then go to Europe and see what it's like. Okay, it's even way more, you know. So, so, but the truth is there are people and there are situations you'll have. So maybe you just have a gospel tract. Hey, did you get one of these? They say, well, what's that? Well, it's a gospel tract. It actually shows you the greatest news ever. Uh, it, 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 this is what can transform and change your life. And really, what, what's that all about? And uh, where you begin to have that gospel conversation. Now, any questions over these first two things? Here's what I want to try to encourage you to do. Over the next 24 hours, see if you can have a conversation with a person, a normal one, and see if you can move the conversation to something spiritual. And just see how it goes. I'm not saying you have to go like all into you know detail of everything and share the gospel plainly uh, in a sense or, or real clear like you know you're going to have a 35 45 minute conversation but you might you might um, and it's really kind of amazing I 
last week, I mean, um, doing truck stuff, I had, yeah, you know, like I'll have to get work done on my truck. And, and um, so I was doing that, getting brakes done. And so I did it the week before. Actually, we did it because it ended up being where we come to take it in. And they're like, they assess it and basically say, sure, you know, that's $400 to assess. And, and, uh, but we can't get it in until the next Monday. You know? And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. I, I kind of already told you guys from the beginning I have to get it done before Saturday. And, uh, well, sorry, sir, you know, can't get it done, you know. So then it's like, so then well, we were kind of forced to, in a sense, kind of do it on our own. We needed to get it done. So we did brakes and drums on the truck. So me and Micah and another guy from the church kind of helped me a little bit. You know, just basically the weight of everything is so heavy, you know, as you're moving this stuff. So anyway, but in the process last week, then I went and got some, then I got the wheels balanced. Well, I'm waiting while they're balancing the wheels. And, and just an amazing conversation with the guy who's there, who actually is a former deacon of a church. And he really did seem to be a true believer as I'm talking to him. And then it was like interesting because here comes this guy. And I mean, he's, he's rough looking, you know, and he comes and, and he's like, hey, I'm hearing you guys talking. You know, what about this? And, and, he, and all of a sudden we get into this conversation and I'm like, this guy, I don't, he, he used to go to church when he was little. Um, but, you know, he kept talking about how awesome, like the bus ministry thing was back when he was growing up. You know, I said, oh, that's interesting, you know, that he would, would ride the bus. And that's how he heard the gospel. He's married to a lady. And he goes, my wife, you know, my wife, she doesn't believe in Jesus or anything, too. But I tell her I do believe in Jesus, you know. And, and so he's having this conversation. But how do I even talk about And the more I'm talking to him, I'm like, he might not even be a believer. But what a just an amazing conversation. Um, for probably 30 minutes, the Lord just gave us this amazing conversation. Gospel, clear gospel. i able to share the gospel. And, um, and also invite them to stuff, you know. So you, you just don't, you never know. And how the Lord can, can work those things out. So here's what I'm going to say is this. Next 24 hours, try to do that, okay? I'm, stop, I'm going to stop it here. But I will say this, is tomorrow night, I want to talk about the key. Because if you miss, in a sense, tomorrow night, if you miss the, what I'm getting ready to give you, if you don't understand this element of sharing the gospel, no one will ever get saved. Like, I'm serious, okay? And, and I will tell you, so many modern-day gospel presentations avoid this, and yet this is where people come to Christ. And so come back tomorrow night. <laughs> Isn't that good, you know? I mean, I'm serious, though. I'm serious, all right? You're in the nursery. Well, they'll record it, okay? I'm so sorry. Are they doing a nursery during the pre-services? I don't know. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Well, thank you for serving. There's, there's a lot of people serving in a lot of different ways, and I'm um, so thankful. Thank you guys for coming tonight. If you have questions, we can talk too. And then um, looking forward to tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at 6.30 will be that time. It'll be tough because it's come from work or, you know, wherever, and you've got to make it here. 7 o'clock will be that service. But let me close in prayer. We've got 15 minutes before the service, so we're doing good tonight. I appreciate it all.